Good morning, everybody. Great to see you here this morning. We'll be learning Bezrat Hashem Dav Kuftes in Maseches Psachim. We're at the Seder. And it's, so let's set the scene by reading from the first few, last few lines of Kuf Ches Amid Beis. It said, Tarabanan Hakol Chayavin Be'arba Kosos Halalu. Right, that everybody is chayev in dalad kosos. Echad anashim ve'echad nashim ve'echad tinokos. So men, women, and children, everybody is chayev in dalad kosos. Now, anashim is is understood. Nashim we talked about yesterday. Afein hayu be'oso anes. It's actually um, amazing. We there's one thing I was mentioning after. Shear that I didn't point out, which is sort of the sticky point here, which is the Ka'in de Oraisa. I think the Rashbam makes a lot of sense when it comes to Af Ein Hayu Baosavanes. He's saying, the Rashbam is saying, that it's are you willing to to understand this sarcastically, Kalman? Af Hain Hayu Baosavanes sounds like, yeah, they were also there. But the Rashbam is clearly saying, sorry to harp on this, Andrew, but uh, this is like a fascinating topic to me. The Rashbam is clearly saying that Purim, Chanukah, and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was in the schus of the Nashim Tzadkanias. That Afhein Hayu means that they literally instigated, they were the source and the spiritual right reason why we were able to be Nigah, why we were able to have those Yeshuos. And so Chazal, right, you need something real to take it out of the Ke'in Daraisa. See, that's the sticky point. The Torah doesn't do it. For, for all the things that are derisive, the Torah is going to teach you that women are not chayev in mitzvah saseshah's mangarama. So the Torah never says that women should be chayev in mitzvah saseshah's mangarama. So when we do a derabanans, and this is our problem, when we do derabanans, we need to have a really good reason. So what's the really good reason? So, so the really good reason is that really you're not going to include the women in this mitzvah? If it weren't for the women, we wouldn't have this mitzvah. The only, right, that, that makes the most sense, right? Because that's how you break out of the Ka'in de Orisa, which is the typical that we don't have the, uh, right, the Mitzvah Sashesh Mangrama. The only problem is, Afhain Hayu doesn't sound like that. Afhain Hayu sounds like they're a throw in, but they were never going to be a throw in anyway. So I'm, I'm willing to accept that Afhain Hayu will sound I'm willing to not harp on the Lashon the way that Tosfos does. Again, I'm not being cholak on Tosfos, I'm saying I could see the Tzad where Tosfos says, Literally, that the word af doesn't sound like it's because the women instigated it. I'm willing to say, okay, so it doesn't sound like that, but it has to be that. <laughs> but I'm willing to go with the Rashbam here because, it, I mean, I can understand the resonance of that shita because whether you say afein hayu or you don't say afein hayu, we know how important the women were and we know we would be without them. So if it weren't for the women, we would have none of the, no Purim, no Hanukkah, and no Dalat Kosos. And then, of course, certainly, and if you want to say it's a little Jewish humor, when you say, Afhein Hayu, it's sarcasm, I'm willing to accept it. So be that as it may, the women certainly are Chayiv in Dalat Kosos. The issue is, though, Ve'echa Tinokos. Why would children be Chayiv in Dalat Kosos? They're not Chayiv in anything. So that's what Rabbi Yehuda said. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, so Rash, the last Rash Bam on the page says, Hello, Paturin Minah Mitzvahs. They're pata from everything. Um, right? So then why would they, how could you say that they're chayev? They're not chayev in anything. So we say, no, we modified. El Machalk and Lahan as we arrive at Kuftesim and Aleph again. Kloyos Ve'gozen Be'er of Pesach. So 
I was okay to hear Barry Leibowitz give over Dafkov test and also Dr. Glatt. And it was amazing how you could have two people give the daf. I, w- I had to double check that it was the same daf uh, in terms of how they emphasize different things. So but I hope that I'll remember some of the things that both of them said and be able to have the benefit of both. In this issue, there's a Girsa issue that only one of them mentioned, but it's so, so uh, uh, vital, right, to understanding this. Klaus goes in Be'erif Pesach, you change it to Leil Pesach and you understand everything. <laughs> Right? What do you mean? What are you giving, why are you giving it out on Erev Pesach? Says the Gemara. So that they don't fall asleep. What? So they don't fall asleep on Erev Pesach? Vish'alu when? So it makes the most sense to say that the Gersa, this is referring to Seder night. And this is what we know. Right? That you give out, you, you ask trivia questions, you do whatever you could so that the kids should ask. Right? We have a funny thing in our family. Whenever we ask any question, right? Why did a Kaddish Baruch Hu, why is the sky blue? So that the kids should ask. Anyway. So, Kleisve goes in Be'er of Pesach. So that's when you, so if you say Leil Pesach, so now you're talking about, this is what you're doing, you're, you're dividing, you're giving all these out, and it, that's is what the Gemara is saying. You're not talking about Dalad Kosos, uh, by kids. So why did it say Dalad Kosos? Well, the point is still there. The point is that this is a family holiday, as we're gonna see. This is family time. And, right, Vigatil Vincha comes up multiple times in the Torah, right? Not just once. Vigata Levincha, passing over the Masorah. This is what we're doing here at the, at the Pesach Seder. Maybe we to do that. I actually sent an email. I contacted Rabbi David Katz. I said, I need stories for the Seder. I know he's very busy. This is a very chutzpah thing for me to do. I, I offered some things in exchange. Don't worry. But I, I, I want to make it good this year because we're going to have the first four-generation Seder because my granddaughter and my mother were going to be there, Bezat Hashem. So, and my mother's been in, in quarantine for... Uh, you know, for she hasn't seen the light of day for a year. So, um, so I got emotional about it. I said, we're going to talk about generations. And this is, in fact, right, the whole premise of the Seder. It's a generational uh, experience. So, of course, we're, I'm going to hopefully relate the stories to you. Don't worry, I'll send it over. I'll see. Uh, I'll see if I can help, Doctor. I, I did this smart thing, right? We talk about the Nashim are the source of the Geula. I went straight to his wife. I said, can you give me aids on how to reach the man and, and, and the best times to go with him for walks? This is, these are little tricks of the trade. Life hacks, Barry. Life hacks. <laughs> so anyway, she said, write him an email. She told me what to write. It was pretty cool. Anyway, um, I'm a little bit of a, of a stalker when it comes to David Katz. His podcast is unbelievable. So anyway, so Claudius goes in the of Pesach. So they don't want him to fall asleep. So this is in itself. This is what I'm saying. The women, they were the one, the, the inspiration for all of it. The, the, the children, they have to stay awake. Like, what's all this staying awake? Yes, because unlike some things, right, where, uh, it's a personal, right, uh, experience for each individual, that is certainly not the case for the Pesach Seder. That has to be a family experience, just like the Korban Pesach was, right? And, um, and, and it's really the most central night of Chinuch of the year. Okay. And to that, to that end, Amro Lava Rabbi Akiva, some say this doesn't have to do with Rabbi Akiva, we'll go with Rabbi Akiva. I like this idea of Rabbi Akiva, because like this, what was Rabbi Akiva doing? Let's stick with Leil Pesach, that he used to give it out on Leil Pesach. Good. So he did that as well. Now, Tanya, we learned in Bryson, this is the practice, right, of, um, uh, that we say of Afikomen, of stealing the Afikomen, 
Right? Again, why? So that the kids should ask. Or, you know, to keep them awake, to keep them engaged. Right? So that they shouldn't fall asleep. Uh, Arya Leibowitz points out four different cheetahs and what chodfin matzahs means. Maybe you eat it fast so that they don't fall asleep. But we like the idea of chodfin matzahs, meaning that we play like children. The adults, the children are seeing that the adults are playing like children, cops and robbers or whatever it is. I don't know if cancel culture has already canceled cops and robbers. Yeah, they canceled cops, I forgot. Yeah. But um, certainly not cowboys and Indians, whatever it is. The, um, you, you play around and you steal the matzahs from each other. And again, to keep the children engaged, look at the incredible halacha emphasizing keeping the children engaged, how important it is. So this is all coming from Vigata Levincha, essentially, right? We need these children to understand and to experience Chayava Adam Haros Esatzmo, Liros Esatzmo, right? You have to experience it as if you're leaving Leil Mitzrayim and you have to tell the story. Okay, Bishul Tanokshul Adonisha, Tanya, Abraisa. I'm more love with Rabbi Kiva, I love this. Don't forget, Rabbi Kiva was the person, was he a real family man? Well, everyone has their strengths, right? And it certainly depends how you define family man. But there was a 24 year period, right, in the Gemara, where he was in the yeshiva the entire time, uh, and it was only interrupted by seeing his wife through the window, right, at the midpoint mark in 12 years, and hearing her say that if there were another 12 years, famously, right, the Agarata, uh, the story, I should say, if there were another 12 years, uh, if I knew that, uh, that, that he could take it, I would give it to him, and then he, he goes right back to Yeshiva without even saying hello. So being there with the family, at least th- during those 24 years, was something that he had sacrificed. And still, it's in the name of Rabbi Kiva that it says the following idea. So this is, in that context of the story, it's not so hard to believe that Rabbi Kiva, what does it mean? He said, he never stopped learning. Yeah, that's right. He sure did. He practiced what he preached. He never said, you know what? It's time, everybody close your gemaras. It's time to go home for family time. Right? When when the... Uh, when the mothers of the children felt that they needed to go to Miami uh, for, for two weeks to, so the family could be together in the middle of Zaman, this wasn't a, a very comfortable conversation to have with Rabbi Akiva, who hadn't been with his family in 24 years, right? So he never used to say, this is time to leave the base Medrash. Except, Erev Pesach and Erev Yom Kippur, that's family time. And Erev Pesach, he would say, so again, even here you could say Leil Pesach. In other words, uh, this is what Ari Leibowitz says. He says that it used to be customary um, in their Gemaras where they would go on Leil Shabbos and Leil Pesach. You would go and eat with the family, come back to the base Medrash. Come back to the base Medrash and learn. I did have that experience once. I, I, I mentioned this story, but to, to make a long story short, we had a Shaila on Shabbos about, my wife didn't remember if she was Mafresh Chala. And so I started going around to the Rabbanim to see what we should do Friday night. Ultimately, the answer was, like Barry says, uh, I, I told you the story once, the culturally, they're saying, you're not in Siberia, you know what I'm saying? This isn't the shtetl. Everybody has challah. Why, why are you asking? Like, you just go to your neighbor. Okay, that's true. Uh, but I had the experience of going to Rabbanim and seeing what they're doing on, on Friday night. Sure enough, from Davidovich, um, Shlita, he's in the base of Medrash with a whole bunch of guys. <laughs> I mean, I guess the meal had already ended by him, or the meal hadn't started. I don't know what he was doing there. But that was customary um, culturally. So that could be true, Erev Yantiv, could be Erev Shabbos. The, the, that night seder was never even canceled for that. However, Erev Pesach, certainly. And also Erev Yom Kippurim. On those days, they were home. 
And there, every Yom Kippurim, Kedeshi Achilus Bneim. So there, it looks like really Erev. So you could say this is to be home because if Tati isn't home to tell the kids to go to sleep, then they're not going to listen. Or you could say because, because mommy is uh, making Seder, you know, or mommy also has to fast on Yom Kippur. So you can understand this any way you want, but you, you get the idea, right? That Rabbi Akiva is saying, uh, what, I, what I mean is all of these interpretations can be found in the Mepharshim. Uh, but, but the bottom line is that Erev Pesach and Erev Yom Kippur, the preparation for those special days made it that even Rabbi Akiva knew that this was family time. That Erev, that Erev Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is very serious. Mommy needs Tati at home to, to, and everybody has to eat together. Uh, we know there's a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur, not just a mitzvah to fast on Yom Kippur. And so that is one of the days, and the other day is our, our day of Erev Pesach. That you gotta be home for the Pesach Seder. You gotta make sure everybody gets the proper amount of rest. That's how central Pesach is to our calendar. Ten lines down. Kuf Tetzel Medalev. Uh, the idea of making everybody happy, how do you, how do you make everybody happy on Yantiv? This is all Yantivim, certainly Pesach included. Right? Because the Pesach says you should have Simcha. Um, Tosis points out here that this Pesach, happens to be this Pesach is written in regards to Meiser Shani. And there is a Pesach regarding this, uh, the Regel. It says, V'samachta atav v'incha v'itecha. So the question is, why do they like to say v'samachta b'chagecha? Because that mentions uh, beso. Anyway, interesting idea. Be that as it may, we have to be happy on yantav. So how do you do so? So b'yayin. Wine gladdens the man's heart, right? Because that's what the Pasuk says. Rabbi Huda points out that this is subjective. Not everybody is going to get happy with wine. And so if everybody, everybody has to be m'sameach, in the way that is going to make them happy. If it's toys, if it's clothes, if it's a shaitel, whatever does, whatever does it for you, you, there is a chiv, and in fact, a real chiv, right, to buy, right, it's in Shulchan Aruch and everything, to purchase gifts for the men, the women, especially the women and the children. Fine. So speaking of the concept of yain and whether uh, women and uh, is going, it's going to be appropriate for them, so anashim baroylem bayain, so we say, so men supposedly like wine. Happens to be I don't, but most people do. My wife loves wine. But Nashim Bamai, so I guess culturally in this point of the Gemara thought that men like it more than women. So Tani Rabbi Yosef, in those days I guess men drink wine more so than women. So Rabbi Yosef says, women in those days, they like this. Culturally, if you lived in America, so you like the fancy, right, colored clothes. And Be'eretz Yisrael, Be'vigdei Pishtan Me'gohatzim. And those who lived in Eretz Israel, they liked white pressed linen garments. So this is all obviously cultural things that made people very, very happy. And that is what you should be buying for your families. Okay. Um, Tanya, my wife told me just yesterday, she said, you know, I was thinking, she started mentioning something about, you know, we're going to a wedding and she hadn't, uh, she, she started talking about a dress or something, and I said, you know what? It's tomorrow's daf. I was just learning about this, and I was thinking, what am I going to walk into a store and buy you a dress? So you're making me so happy. You're giving me the opportunity uh, to, to, to do this in a way I was going to have to break my head. Anyway, Tanya. Okay, so Rabari Leibowitz went off on this, spent 
nearly the entire shear about this little shtickle over here. Rabbi Huderman Sarah says that in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, and Dr. Glatt blew right by it. So he said, Rabbi Huderman Sarah may be as Beis HaMikdash kaim ain't simcha ela When the Beis HaMikdash was extant, then simcha would be bebasar, right? This is referring to the basar of the karbonos, and that would bring simcha. Birnbaum and I had our own shot in this. I think that's what I'll go with. Shanamar. So certainly the Pasuk says, right, that you should bring the carbon shlamim and you should eat it there. And that is true simcha. Beautiful. But of course you can only do that when you have a base of Miklash, when you're bringing karbanas. What do you do today? He says the Gemara, So now you're going to have simcha b'yayin. Because the Pasuk, in fact, does say, right, that wine, as we... As we mentioned, it's in Tehillim that wine does gladden the person's heart. Okay. The reason Rabari Leibowitz gets uh, very into this is because there are a lot of different topics that you could tease out of this idea. First of all, just on the surface, is true during Besamekdash also, right? That Pasuk didn't go away when the Besamekdash is around. So why is it saying that when the Besamekdash is around, it's only Basar? So what Birnbaum and I deduced, though, and I'm sure it's somewhere, is that, of course, yain can be misamech in the base of Mikdash, but I think the easiest way to understand it is that there's different kinds of simcha, right? Certainly no simcha could match the simcha of bringing korbanos in the base of Mikdash. That is the highest le- uh, level of simcha. In the absence of, just, of such simcha, so then, we don't have the simcha of the karbonos, but we do have other things that make us happy to some other extent, right? So then, the, the backup is whatever makes you happy, like yain. And certainly, yain is, is, is alluded to in the psukim as well. This is how Urbari Leibowitz explains the Rambam. Um, and then the question becomes, some of the corollary issues would be, for example, my father-in-law, of Shalom, he used to be Makbid. Now, he liked Fleshik. So, you know, which came first? His desire, his love for Fleshik, so the halacha, uh, I, I cannot tell you. But he was Makbid to have Basar at every yunt of meal. Because it says, Ein simcha el That's the Rambam. It's interesting, right? Because it's, we're not, he's re- not referring to Zman and Mikdash. And he throws in Basar. So why is the Rambam throwing in Basar? So all the Mepharsha Rambam are going to say, is he just saying Basar v'yayin? Because he already says yayin. Is, does he really mean that there's simcha v'basar? Is it not, right? So you could get involved with these kinds of corollary issues. The other question would be, if it's, is it so subjective, like anything that makes you happy, if something else makes you happy, like music or whatever it is, other than yain, does that, is that considered the same simcha siyantiv as yain? Because once you're already not doing basar, is it anything that makes you happy? We just happen to have a source that yain could do so. You know, these are the kinds of issues that come up here. But, be that as it may, certainly you should have the attitude of simcha and yantiv, and that should be a priority, and whatever is going to make your household happy should be definitely uh, employed. Okay. Now, we're going to get into geometry. Uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to change gears big time. This is where Arya Leibowitz falls off and Dr. Glatt comes in. <laughs> Eleven lines up, we're going to talk about the Revius. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Kasta de Maraisa de Hava Okay, so there's, how do you, how do you calculate a revius? So there was a famous, Tsipari was a big city, and, uh, it was very well known. It's not far from Tsfas, right? It's up, up north a little bit. We have a daughter, Tsipora, where you're going to make her bas mitzvah in Tsipori. 
uh, we ended up making it Beit Shemesh. So anyway, Sukasa de Maraisa de Hava Bitsipori. It wasn't worth it for the play on words. It's far for everyone. Uh, be that as it may, fish fats. Maraisa's fish fats. And that was a big uh, item that everybody knew. And everybody knew exactly what that measurement was like. Okay. So he says, He havas kimin loga de mikdasha. Aha. So he said that was, right, people didn't necessarily have um, a access to the lug of the Beis HaMikdash, but everybody had access to this vat or whatever that had the fish fat. So everybody understood this is that, right, that that's the same measurement. And that's how they figured out how much was necessary for the Revius for the Dalat Kosos of Pesach. So in other words, right, that's how, that's how they were able to figure out. Everybody wants to know what's a Revius, because we said each one of the Dalat Kosos has to have a Revius. A Revius is, has the word quarter in it. Why is it called a Revius? Because it's a quarter of a lug. Okay. So then they would, if you filled an entire Kasta with the wine and then divided it, as the Rashbam explains, into four equal parts, Bada bing, bada boom, dalad kosos, each one with a revius. Ama Rabbi Yochanan, Tamnyasa Kadmasya de Hava Bitveria, Havas Yasera Alda Riva. Aha. There's another there's another method of doing this. You could either fill up, right, the the Kasta de Maraisa of Tsipori and divide it into four equal parts, or Rabbi Yochanan uh, has a life hack. Take the original Tamnyasa that was in Tiberia in, in Tiberia, that's like a vessel, right? And then take the Tanmanyasa tan of today. So you got to have an old Tanmanyasa and a new Tanmanyasa. It's a kind of vessel. So guess what? The old ones were like RV, exactly Arvius bigger. Aha. Uh-huh. So, so pour the old one into the new one. And then whatever you have left in the old one, that's exactly Arvius. That's a good way to measure Arvius. Says the, right? You get it, Chaman? Which way is, is your? I like the second way better. Because the first way, how are you going to divide it into four equal parts? That sounds like more of a hassle. I don't know. But you need to have, I don't know. Or you could just know what a Revius is. And then, oh, you could do what Andrew does. He has Revius cups. And then you could just, and then you know when you filled up the cup that you have a Revius. Okay. Right, everybody, it's always a hawk. The size of Kosos that everybody has in Pesach. Because you have to have Dalakosos, so you want to have the shear, but you don't want to have to have too much. That's always the topic, right? The shear of the, the size of the cups in Pesach. Okay. Okay, so that's another way of figuring out Revis Shal Pesach. Amar Rav Chista. Revis Shal Torah. So now Rav Chista is going to get super granular with the math. He's going to say that there is a Revis, right? That's a Doraisa amount. And now, since we have Revis associated with some, right? We're going to, Gemara is going to bring examples, right, of of cases where you need this revius mida orisa, so he wants to really get down with the math. You can't always be pouring from a tamnyasha kadmasya to a tamnyasha right uh, uh, to to the other to, to the other uh, newest tamnyasha uh, tamnyasha. So here's the idea: you're gonna have we're gonna get into actual measurements. Good morning, Gorano. It says etzbayim al etzbayim berum etzbayim v'chatsi etzba v'chomish etzba. This is the actual volume measure. So this is what I was saying. You could also get the cups and you get to get the size. But what's the size? So if Chris is telling you the size, imagine um, like a tower, right? We, uh, did I tell you that I, that I judged the middle school science fair? And so one of the groups of the girls, they, 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 re, they reconstructed the south tower to scale uh, of the twin towers. 
and they showed like how all the forces are, di- are, are distributed. So this is exactly it. This is the, this is the south tower to scale, right? It, if, imagine a tower, which is at Tzbaim al Tzbaim Barom. So the base of it is, um, right, two, two finger breaths by two finger breaths. I said to them, I asked them as a judge, why did you choose a south tower? They said, because the numbers added up easier when we drew it to scale. I was impressed. I said, that's, wow. a, re- that's a real reason. <laughs> so anyway, so here, these girls are smart. Seventh graders, eighth graders, very smart. I said, I said, that makes me feel old. You're so smart, and you, you were like born so long after 9-11. Anyway, so two etz by two etz right, at the base. And then, v'chatsi etzba v'chomesh etzba is two and seven-tenths. Because chatsi etzba, right, right, berom etz baim, v'chatsi etzba v'chomesh etzba. That's how you read it. So it's two, two fingers breaths by two finger breaths at the base. And then another two finger breaths of height. Plus another chatsi etzba, so that's five tenths. Plus another chomish etzba, that's two tenths. So it's two by two by two and seven tenths, or two by two by two point seven, is the dimensions of a revia. So now you know, kidetanya. Uh, how do we know that that's the length? Uh, and by the way, uh, the Rashbam points out the different areas where this is midoraisa. For example. The Nazir, he's not allowed to drink or via some wine. That's Daraisa, right? When you have blood from two, right, from two corpses, that's going to transmit, transmit to Masohel. And also the Revius of oil for the Rikike Nazir. So the, all of these are Daraisa cases of the Revius. So you really can't just be messing around with vessels from Tsipori. You have to have this shear. You have to have these measuring cups. So this is how we get to and since it's Daraisa, we have to be serious about it. So this is how we get to the measuring 2 by 2 by 2.7. How do we get to all this? Unbelievable. Like the Twin Towers. We do it to scale. We figure out how big a mikvah is, Daraisa, and then bring it down to scale to Revius, based off of how the measurements. So here we go. So it says by Balkari, Varachatz b'mayim es kol Okay. That you have to go into mikvah. And the mikvah, look at what the words are. The mikvah has to completely cover all the surface area of your body. As the Gemara says, Shelo davar ben Right? The water has to be all over your body. B'mayim b'mei mikvah. Certainly that's talking about mei mikvah. Es kol besaro. So from es kol besaro, they learn the actual amount of water. How so? Because mayim shekol gufa olebahen. Because the minimum shear of a mikvah has to be so that when a normal sized human being immerses in said mikvah, all the water would be all over his body. Vikamahain, and how much water is this? As we turn to Kuf Testament Bays, anybody have an art scroll? Because if you do, you just got a geometry shock to your brain. <laughs> okay, so here we go. So he says, Yeah, with Sansino, it's beautiful too, I'm sure. Uh, old school Goranowitz. Okay, so you turn to Kuf Testament Bays. Ama al Ama Barum Shalosh Amos. Okay, so what's going on here? So we're going to take um, we're going we're going to take Barry for this. We're going to pick on Barry because Barry. yeah, because Barry is our guy. So Amal Ama Barum Shaloshamos. Do you understand? If Barry was a tower, okay, then his dimensions would be Amal Ama. Right? It would be uh, the base at the base. His width and his depth would be the, about an Ama. This is an average sized human being, and then he'd be three Amas tall. Right? Is this, a, is this the normal proportion of a man? Okay, so there are, in fact, sources that say that, uh, that the proportions typically are Dalad Amos, and that's how you 
uh, tall. And that's how you figure out a, mik- a mikvah. What, but we say no, but that's after water displacement. There's a little discussion here about whether it's three amas or four amas. But let, let's stick with the math over here. So you have one by one by three, okay? And, and we also know, And we know, right, that, it, that when they measured it, right, it was 40 saw. That the mikvah is 40 saw. Okay. So you have to, you have to do a saw. So this is where Dr. Glatt loves it. Asach lev. You know about this mnemonic? You write asach lev on top, and then in between you write gudu. Gimel vav, dalad vav. He walked us through the entire mnemonic of figuring out that if you put, if you put it all together, then you know that an ama is 24 etzbos, and a sa is six, because ka- a sa is six kavim, kav is four lugin, a lug is four vias, as we said, and turn, and you do all the math, and it all amounts to that if three cubic amas equals 40 sa, because that's what we're saying here, right? A man, again, he's an ama by an ama, and three amas tall. An amma by an amma at the base and three amas tall. So you get basically, the way, the way all the Mepharshim do this, and this is why you're seeing all these boxes in the art scroll, is an amma by an amma, three amas tall, is basically like three amma by amma by amma cubes, right? Three cubes of amma by amma stacked on top of each other, and then that's three cubic amas. That's how you get to that math. Now, if three cubic amas are 40 saw, as the Gemara points out here, then you, we have a way of doing this. You could take a saw all the way down to a revius, right? And 40 saw, if you put it in revius terms, is two by two by 2.7 etzbos. In other words, it's a ratio, right? Amos to etzbos, saw to revius, right? Saw and revius are volume, and ama and etzbos are measurements. So if you remember math from the math portion of the SATs, this is how you do, right? This is how you do ratios. So the ratio of, and what's the variable that we don't know is the exposed. We want to know the exact measurement. The X here is the exact measurement of a revius. But we have all the other variables. We have the 40 saw we already know is the size of a mikvah. So we know that that's, we know that that's the volume. And we know that what we're looking for is a revius. Okay, so that's a variable that, that, that we know. And we know that the measurement volume of the 40 saw is the, right, is the three cubic amos. So you just do the ratio. You have three cubic amos, right, is equals 40 saw. So then if that's the case, then what is, so what equals a revius? You do the math, comes out exactly to two by two by 2.7 atzbos. Beautiful math. Okay, so I'm a Ravashi. Uh, right, so if you want, listen to Dr. Glatt. He'll walk you through all the math. It comes out like 3,041,000, oh, right. It's, it's, it's 41,000 divided by, 41,472 divided by 3,840. Enjoy. Okay, so now, um, and, and by the way, Ari Leibowitz blew right through it. He, he, he said, guys, like you do the math and it works, trust me. Okay, and it does. So, Amar Ravashi. Amali Ravin, but, but the, the point is, what's the point? Let's not lose the forest from the trees here. The point is that we're trying to calculate a real, the coast. We're trying to make the Revius graduated cylinder here um, by knowing what the measurement is um, for that because it's very important for us. Fine. Now, 
Based on that, we have one point that Ravashi says, Amar Ravashi, Amar li Ravin Barchinina, Shulchan Shal Mikdash Shal Prakim Ava. Has to be that the Shulchan in the base of Mikdash was um, able to be taken apart. It was made of components and not just one solid piece. Why? The Isal Kadaita Chaduki have a midha, mihadeik, right? It, it was had to be an Ikea that, that had to be put together and taken apart. Because if it was one solid piece, Amta be Amta Heichi Matbele. How would you ever dunk the shulchan in the mikvah? Now, common, why would you need to dunk the shulchan in the mikvah? Oh, if it became tummy, right. You have to be able, to, it has to be dunkable. Very good. See, common's our tummy expert. So, so he says things can become tummy. And if so, then you'd have to be able to dunk it in the mikvah. How do you, how do you uh, dunk something that's an ama wide in a mikvah? Uh, we know, what were the dimensions of the shulchan? It was, it was an ama wide, an ama and a half tall, and two amas long. And we just said that a mikvah only has to be one by one ama at the base, right, with a three cubic, with three amas height. So how are you going to get this mikvah in there? How are you going to get the table in the mikvah? It sounds like the joke, but it, 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 it's, um, how are you going to get the table into the mikvah is the question. Right? The bottom line is the, sh- the minimum shear of a mikvah is smaller than the size of the shulchan. Isn't that fascinating? The Gemara asks, my kusha, what's, what's the shayla? Dilma biyam shasa shlomo hava mat bilay. In other words, just get a bigger mikvah. <laughs> so it's just an interesting havamina and an interesting teretz, right? The havamina is that how could you have a shear of a mikvah that's smaller than what you'd be able to dunk the shulchan is? And the answer is just make a bigger mikvah. Yes, it's true that you would not be able to dunk the shulchan in uh, a mikvah that's the minimum shear. However, that doesn't mean that you needed to make the shulchan of the base of mikdash out of right out of parts that are dis- that you could disassemble. You could, in fact, alternatively, just make a bigger mikvah. So true, it's bigger than the minimum shear, but you know you could have a bigger mikvah. Nobody says it is a maximum shear. In fact, the yamshel shlomo was giant, was incredibly large. That that is the name of the parish Yamshel Shlomo, but that was this is um, the mikvah that Shlomo Amalek made was so big they called it a sea, right? The Tani Rebchia because we learned in the Brisa Yamshel Shlomo Machzuk Meavachamishim Mikvatar, right? You could put 150 mikvahs in that giant mikvah that the pool Solomon's pool, King Solomon's pool. How are you with that? Well, can you swim in it? And you could do. Uh, you're certainly going to use it as a mikvah. I mean, Shlomo Amelech only did big. You understand Goranowitz? So he had this giant King Solomon's pool, and that was one of the biggest mikvahs you could imagine. You don't have to immerse the shulchan in, the, in King Solomon's pool. It's, uh, it's just exaggerating to clarify that you could put it in a regular mikvah. It's, it's big enough usually to accommodate the shulchan of the mikvah mikdash in case it gets tamay. Good. So now two dots in the middle of Kavtesim and Beis. And we say... Velo yiftachu, right from the Mishnah, velo yiftachu me'arba. Okay. You can't give less than dal kosos. So the Gemara asks, now here we're talking about uh, voodoo, okay? Uh, shadim. Stuff that, we, that, stuff that is esoteric that is a little bit beyond us. The idea of zugos. The idea of zugos is, is, is difficult to, uh, um, to really, for us to understand, right? Koichos atuma and things like that, the things, sorcery type things, things that uh, have to do with, um, with things that we don't necessarily um, go down to the halacha. 
you know, in this particular case, how do you interpret these things? Bismanazet is a giant, is a giant topic. Um, the Rambam doesn't go for any of this. The Rambam says that you could disregard this idea of the Shadim. We live in, in Olamazeh, in a rational world, but that's not everyone's perspective. Uh, so let's see, let's read inside, then we'll see. There's no way around it. There's an unbelievable Shaila here that the Gemara is asking. How can you have Dalab Kosos? You shouldn't have anything in pairs. Nothing should be even numbers because even numbers are dangerous. Odd numbers are the way to go. That's literally the, what the question here means. How could we metakin Dalab Kosos if it's an even number? Okay. Very hard to understand, right? Because we don't really get it. So he says like this, after all, we learn in the Brisa, there is a Brisa, you shouldn't eat in pairs, you shouldn't drink even numbers of things, you shouldn't wipe uh, in, in even numbers of things, you shouldn't wipe twice in pairs, well, I don't, you know, you have to understand what exactly is a pair. I, I hope it's not referring to two-ply, that was the joke I had planned to say today. Anyway, but be that as it may, and this is talking about tashmish. You shouldn't do that in pairs. So the gemara, so the gemara asks, Amar of Nachman. So first of all, how do you how, how do you get around all of this? Okay, this idea of zugos and and demons. Okay, so Amar of Nachman, Amar Kra, the pasuk says leil shimurim. Okay, so Rav Nachman has an answer. This entire idea of zugos, even if you wrap your mind around it, right, does not apply on Leil Pesach anyways, right? Because it actually has to do with the Leil Shimurim, right? This has some halachic implications. So here we'll pause for a second um, and we'll say like this. Do you ever hear the halacha that you don't say Kriya Shema Lamita on Leil Seder because it's Leil Shimurim? You ever hear this? Uh, so the answer is most postscripts say that you do say Hamapil. But you don't have to say like all the psukim afterwards. Because it is after all, right, so the bracha you say, but you don't say leil, you don't say all the other things because it's leil shimur. We have a certain sense of national confidence on leil Pesach. After all, we needed to have this bravado to leave Pesach in the first place, right? So it's part of the experience of the Etzias Mitzrayim, right? When, when in, the, in world history as an entire nation of slaves left uh, left their oppressors in right in in full view and just walked right out. That's never happened before. It'll never happen again, right? And so that was Yad Hashem. That was showing the glory of Hashem. So there's residue of that, right? Every year, as part of that, we consider it a Leil Shimurim. We have special Segula on the Leil Shimurim. And so that's reflected in the fact that we don't care about Zugos on, on Leil Pesach. That's one night you really don't have to care about this. These mazikin. Wow. Right? Leil hamashuma uvamina mazikin. It's a night which is guarded from these harmful spirits. Now, again, you can get super deep into these harmful spirits and get really, uh, really caught up in it. Or you could say, like the Rambam, you could sort of like disregard it and say it doesn't apply. Or as Artskol points out, the Rabbeinu Bachis sort of splits the difference and says that yeah, this is an homage to the idea of dualism, right? We want to say Hashem Echad. And because Hashem is Echad, then we're actually into odd numbers, we're into what a single unit. Anytime you get into multiple units, 
uh, we get nervous because that implies the, it, it sort of reflects against the unity of Hashem. That in itself is a giant topic, right? Philosophically, we're making a very massive statement, right? We have to declare, if a person at the end, of, with his dying breath, a person is supposed to say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkein Hashem Echad. So it, it, it actually, it uh, behooves us to figure out what are we actually saying. So Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu. So first of all, um, what's the name of Alpha Beta? Uh, uh, Alpha Beta uh, Rabbi, what? I forgot his name, right? Rothman, Reisman? Alpha Beta. It'll come to me. Anyway, Redovid something. Anyway, so he, he, I once heard a great, a great shot from him. In other words, Shema Yisrael. Everybody knows Shema Yisrael. It's, it's, it's a person's final breath. So Shema Yisrael is usually like, hear ye, hear ye, right? That's an introductory remark. So if you only have one breath left, you just say Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Like Shema Yisrael is just kind of like the intro, right? To capture everybody's attention. He says, no. Shema Yisrael, you should listen. This is the Goranu, it's Muslim moment. Listening is what defines a Jew. Being perceptive, listening, listening to Hashem, being a listener, being a klikibul, right? It's not about the Magad Shir, it's about the people who come to the Shir and listen. That's, that's the essence of being a Jew. So Shema Yisrael is in itself a massive message. But what about the end of the message? Hashem Elokeinu, that we know. And Hashem Echad, Hashem is one. What, what's the significance of that? So it's philosophical and it's essential to understand that there's really only one unifying Hashem and one unifying force. We're not going to do justice to the philosophy of what that means, but be that as it may, that plays into, according to some Mepharshim, this idea of Zugos. There is no other, right? Right? Um, right? The, the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's all centralized in one HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this is why we're allergic to Zugos. Okay. But be that as it may, on Purim, on uh, Pesach, on Pesach night, we're not afraid of even numbers. We're not afraid of Zugos. And that's why, that's, that's Rabbi Nachman's uh, terrace as to why we can have Dalit Kosis. So imagine all, all of this to explain that we can in fact have Dalit Kosis on Pesach. That was Rav Nachman's suggestion. Rava says, Rava Amar, Koshel Bracha Mitztarif Lutov Veinu Mitztarif Aha, what's the Koshel Bracha? So the, the understanding, the simple understanding is that it's the Kos of Birchas HaMazon. In fact, I think that's one of the, um, I think that that's the Girsa. Because the Rashbam says, Rava Amar Kos Shel Birchas HaMazon. Seems to be his Girsa. Let's read the last Rashbam on Koftesim Beis. Shehu Shlishi Lera Eina Mitztarif Lahashlim Zugos L'Sakana. Right? Im Shosar Vi Achorav. Okay? So basically, it's saying that it combines with the other cups, but only for good. So with respect to for good, you could, you could say that it counts in the count of the Dalat Kosos, but as, but Enamit Star Flora, for the purpose of Zugos, says Rava, it's going to be a standalone. And you could say each of them are a standalone. That's going to be the topic tomorrow of the standalone, right, nature of each of the Kosher Bracha. After all, it is interesting that we say Bar Priya Guffin four times, isn't it? Right, we already said the original Birchas HaNehenin. So if you already said the Birchas HaNehenin, why are we saying Borah Piragafen four times? So this is the Leil HaSeder. Seder means this is the order. And each of the four stages of the Seder is in fact said Al HaKos. But it still bears some explanation why we're going to say Borah Piragafen four times. That is something that we can look forward to tomorrow. But first, let's just do the third solution for how we avoid the Zugos of evil. Ravina Amar, Arba Kasei Takinu Rabbanan Der Cheres. Aha. 
So that's already the interest of what we were saying. This was, in fact, the Takanas Chazal. Four cups at the Seder, right? Dal Kosos. For what? To, right, to show Cheres, right? The four Lashonos of Geula. However, says Ravina, Kol Chad Vechad, as we arrive at Kufiud Amad Aleph, Mitzvah Be'ape Nafshahi. Each one is an individual mitzvah. So this is what I was referring to, right? That even though we say the Dal Kosas all the time, and really it's the mitzvah of four cups, it is not two zugos, as you might surmise, because it's an even number of cups, but really it's four standalone mitzvahs. It's each one having one cup on its own. And that is, in fact, as I said, illustrated by the fact that you are not only is that a conceptual idea, but it's even a halachic idea because you're going to be saying, amazingly, four times at the Seder. Um, fine. So we're going to come, this is a good uh, place to pick up tomorrow, Bezrat Hashem, on Kuf Yud Amad Aleph, and we should all be Zoha to all the Geulos as promised in the Torah, and we continue tomorrow with the Pesach Seder.